Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original church security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and once again joined by my co-host, Mike. What's up, Doc? <laughs> haven't, done, haven't done that in a while. No, and it's it's been okay. <laughs> we've, sur- we've survived. Yep, yep. <laughs> So both of us have been um, kind of running around. It's been a, a crazy week for sure. My, Mike's running around has been uh, half the distance of the country. <laughs> I've been in, uh, let's see, I've been in one, two, three. Yeah, three states in the last four days. So, yeah. Fun times. Yep. Although it looked like you hit some some good food food places, I'm always jealous of the food food scene in in Massachusetts. <laughs> I, I you know what it was great getting up there and and you know what the Texas food groups are are barbecue and Tex Mex. So Tex-Mex. yeah, pretty much yeah. it's like those those are the two food groups. Everything else really just doesn't cut it. And so anytime I'm out of the state of Texas. As much as I love it, it's my opportunity to uh, be a, uh, a food palate refugee. Good stuff for sure. Yeah, that's that's been yours. Um, you've been running around. My my week has been dealing with vehicles that won't stay running and and uh, up to my elbows and engine parts as I try and <laughs> try and navigate repairing repairing vehicles for our family it's the wrong kind of elbow grease when we talk about initiative (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure but we've we've been doing really good we've been staying staying busy church has been grow our our uh church plant has been actually growing pretty significantly and today we had a another another full day and we were actually missing i think we were missing three or four families like they're still taking last minute summer vacations and stuff like that our our pastor i think it's next week is going on vacation to florida and then the following week um he's taking his son down to pensacola uh his son's going to pensacola christian college and uh 
he said to me today before before I left, he's like, yeah, so you're in charge next week. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I'm sure he'll be texting me next week and he'll be like, hey, how's it going And when I'm up to, you know, up to my neck in the middle of whatever. But yeah, it's always the way it goes. Absolutely. So. Our church where it's funny enough where we've been bursting at the seams, even in the middle of August here. So we're we're talking about August, uh, late July, early August based Sundays, which is typically when you see attendance wane a little bit because of travel and vacations and things like that. And we've I've seen at least a few services that we're putting up chairs, we're pulling back curtains, we're doing all sorts of things to try to squeeze more people in just because they keep coming. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great problem to have. It's certainly something we haven't talked about in a while is uh, fire code and evacuation, but perhaps something uh, we'll address later this season. For sure. For sure. We will, uh, we've got quite the lineup and uh, I have, I think I have probably 12 or 15 different folks that um, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear from. And it'll be pretty exciting to, to see some, see some new faces and hear some new stories. And that's, uh, that's actually going to be starting next week. Um, so that'll be going on. And um, as always, if you haven't joined us in a while or, or you listen to us regularly, thanks for hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. And we, we couldn't do it without your support and uh, you folks listening at home. And uh, as always, if we can uh, do anything to help you or your ministry, please feel free to reach out. And you can do that through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com. Or you can do that through uh, the church security app, which is free to download, free to register, and uh, has some fantastic fantastic resources that uh, are on there available free. And so, uh, again, any way that we can help you, we're happy to, we're happy to do that. So, um a couple of things out there that we haven't really talked about. Um, we have a new uh, book in the Ministry Lifecycle series, Train. That's out there. That's available. Um, we have a couple other things that we're that we're working on. And um, for those of you curious about conferences, etc., I can say we're we're trying to put something together for the Indianapolis uh, area. And uh, hopefully sometime this fall, uh, that'll work out. And then uh, next February, uh, we'll be back in uh, Lakeland, Florida. Uh, we'll have a, a smaller one-day uh, event there. And that's going to be tailored more towards um, uh, child and youth safety, uh, which we're going to have a couple of uh, fantastic special guests there as well. And so we'll have details on the website as soon as we get that squared away. And we're still working on the, the schedule and whatnot. Um, and then our, our conference uh, next year, we're looking at uh, May in yep. Texas. So that all being said, um, you know, if you, if you're listening and you're in Texas and you're like, Hey, you know, I'd like to be involved or you have a, a church that's um, down in that area. We're looking at the Austin, Austin area. Please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to, to chat with you. We're still trying to secure a location 
in that area that that works for everything that we we want to do so yeah needs to be a slightly larger space um that's uh i think one of the, the challenges i think given the the interest in texas we've already seen um, we anticipate certainly a, a large attendance, larger than perhaps uh, prior years, which have seen three, four hundred people. So um, this this could certainly be something bigger than that. So happy to chat with you. And if you're in uh, my neck of the woods, um, always happy to connect whether you have a space or not. So if you're in the central Texas area, do uh, connect with us at churchsafetyguys.com and uh, we'll go from there. For sure, for sure. So I wanted to I wanted to talk uh, on this broadcast a little bit about uh, policies and policy creation and whatnot. We've had quite a few folks reach out to us um, in the last, I would say, in the last couple of weeks, especially, and uh, newer churches, a few churches that have merged, and they've asked, you know, the question, "Hey, we want to we want to try and create policies. Do you have any suggestions or?" or samples. And uh, we do, I will say that we do have samples on the church security app, as well as in the the main church safety and security group under files. Um, So if you're part of that, you're welcome to to go in there and look. Um, I will say that what I reference tonight as, as Mike or on this broadcast, as Mike and I talk about it, um, I, I have actually got a file printed off from uh, from that. So if you want to reference anything that I say as we kind of go through this, uh, you're welcome to go on to the church security app and you can go and see see what I'm referencing. Um, but I will say that our the, the policy policies and procedures that I'm referencing are from my old church and I I actually helped write them and I wrote those in conjunction with um, Brotherhood Mutual. Uh, and also their attorney. So uh, it's always good if you're if you're putting stuff together to to sit down and talk with your insurance company and your attorney. And sometimes your insurance company's attorney because they can provide an invaluable resource. And if you have, I will say this this plug because I'm not sure if we'll have um, our our gal from Brotherhood Mutual on this this season with. Um, with insurance questions and that sort of thing. But I will say that Brotherhood Mutual uh, actually has a team of people where when you create your policy, you can send it to them and they actually review everything with an attorney uh, on that team. And then they'll send it back to you and they'll, they'll make suggestions and say, yay or nay. And if, you know, if you can, or if they would advise you to correct certain things based on your specific church. So not, I mean, Mike and I are going to kind of go through and talk about some of the, the foundational aspects of this and, and kind of throw some, some suggestions out there for you all. But um, keep in mind that, you know, every church is a little bit unique and different and your church might seem like it's like every other church, but the truth is that you know, depending on your location, your campus size, your your building size, all of those variables, um, you know, we can't just create a generic policy and send it out to everybody and say, hey, everybody should follow this. Everybody should do it. So that's kind of my my partial disclaimer for the, <laughs> well, for the it's, broadcast. It, it's not good to just take 
kind of a template or take somebody else's and uh, hastily implement it. Um, The idea is, and we can unpack some of that here, but I think you're, you're always going to want to personalize and make sure that you've dialed in any sort of policy, any sort of procedure, very specific to kind of the outcomes, the objectives, the mission um, that you specifically have for your church, because again, a one size fits, does not fit all. Absolutely. And, and we'll kind of go through, um, we'll kind of go through some of the highlights and, and we'll get, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll get to talking about that a little bit, but um, for policies and policies and really procedures come after policies. Once you have the policies established, procedures are more of how to implement those policies on a consistent, regular basis, which, which you want. Um, Oftentimes we'll have churches reach out to us and say, Hey, I I need to put people out in the parking lot, or I need to do this or that with my people. And one of the first questions that, that we'll ask is we'll say, Hey, do you have, have you done an assessment? Do you have policies and procedures. And oftentimes they'll kind of look at us like, you know, deer, deer in the headlights look like, uh, am I supposed to? And the reason that you honestly, the reason that you do want policies and then procedures before you have people in your assigning roles is because they need to be able to know what the function and what the scope of their role is. Um, those are defined, many times in the policies and procedures uh, framework that you set up for your church. So not only do they understand expectations and can perform the expectations, but it actually protects you because you understand what the expectation of the church leadership is with keeping people safe, with the insurance company, with the attorneys, everything else. And it can certainly, having that to fall back on can certainly Uh, protect you yourself if you're leading the team, but it can also give everyone on your team a little bit more self-confidence because they're not worried about something bad happening because it's already been established and checked. So ultimately, you know, when you have that policy and procedure uh, guide set up, um, it kind of gives you that mattress to fall back on um, as an individual, because for you, you know, directors or, or safety leaders that are listening. Um, oftentimes, if you come in contact with maybe someone on your team that's disgruntled or they disagree with how something's being handled, you can easily at that point go back to and say, well, look, you know, I'm sorry, but this is the way we're handling this because this is what the church has agreed to. We have this policy in place to protect yep. us as, you know, as a benefit to you to be able to coach that individual as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think a good way to start and look at some of this is really, you kind of talked about the insurance, you talked about attorneys. Well, those are just two of many potential stakeholders that you want to make sure that are involved in any sort of discussion up front, maybe not immediately as far as you, you don't sit there, hey, we're going to we're going to join a table and we're going to uh, by committee create policies in a room uh, with all these voices. But what you do want to do is make sure that you get and collect input from these stakeholders as to 
what's the direction they'd like to see things happen? What are the, what's the why? Sure. Uh, and really identifying the purpose that they're seeking. Um, and you also want to make sure that any of that research, any of those stakeholders is also policies as, as in laws, uh, looking mm -hmm. at your local area, your jurisdiction, uh, whether that be a, a city, a town, a county, your state, uh, looking at all those things and how that might affect your policy creation. So gathering all that up front is an important first step. Absolutely. And just to jump on, jump on that real quick with the, the, depending on your, with the comment you made about depending on your jurisdiction and your location, I'll give you a, a quick, perfect example of that. Uh, in Ohio, the law actually states that individuals are not allowed to conceal carry a firearm into a place of worship uh, unless the place of worship has given permission. Um, and that permission isn't specified whether it's written, spoken, you know, by law, it's, it's not, you know, that's not um, explained, but the truth is that a lot of, a lot of times people miss that. And where some churches may be uh, extremely two way and extremely, into allowing individuals to carry within the church and and just don't care about enforcing that the truth is it's still a law and it still needs to have some kind of um some some kind of uh policy needs to address it because ultimately that church has to make a decision and i guarantee that that's going to be something that comes up by somebody at some point, somehow, um, because we have it happen all the time. People will come into the church, new, new church members uh, or folks that just started attending and they'll say, hey, I just started attending the church. I want to carry a firearm. How do I how do I go about getting permission from the church to do that? And so then you have to have a policy set up to address that you have to have procedures for that who does it go to who signs off on it why why is that necessary why is that acceptable so ultimately every location every state is different every area is different and how every church handles it is different but if you don't have that uh that guidance and that framework to address that you will get some very frustrated people because what will end up happening is everyone will be asking everyone else in leadership and trying to uh you know ascertain what the best way to handle it is and not realize you know that this is the way we should um you know, we should handle this or this or that to, you know, to move forward. So your uh, mute button's on, Mike. Gathering those stakeholders, ultimately, you want to make sure, look at all that. Is, is, do you have a board? Look at staff, look at elders, look at every pastoral uh, element that you do have. Look at, you may in some cases look at uh, very specific skilled people based on their jobs that they have. Maybe they're not currently serving in a capacity of an elder, but they bring 
value. So you may have somebody who's serving in emergency management. You may have an officer. You may have somebody who's military. They can help be a stakeholder, even if they're not necessarily serving on that team. So it's important to kind of collect all you possibly can, again, up front as you're starting the process to look at documenting policies for your church. Absolutely. And I, I think, too, I, I do want to add that um, sometimes it can get very frustrating to constantly be going and talking to everyone. Um, so when you're when you're trying to figure that out, uh, make sure that you give yourself enough time and patience in talking to folks and and make sure that uh, that you do the due diligence of talking to to folks that you need to and not necessarily to folks that maybe want you to. And that's not necessarily saying, okay, we're going to intentionally ignore people. But if I want to talk to a few folks, like at my church, about a new policy, a new procedure, essentially there is four, five people, I'll say four people, but then the fifth one, five people that I will go to and I will talk to. Uh, the, the three other trustees and the pastor and his wife, that's five people and all five of them, because we're such a small church and we're a church plant, they're all very much involved. And I will sit down with all of them and I will say, this is why we need to add this policy. This is my feelings. This is, this is why I think this is a good idea. Do you guys follow me? Is this, you know, do I have your support? Do I not have your support? And, you know, nine times out of 10, if I line it up and I bring a significant, um, you know, case to say, this is why I'm doing this, this is why I, I would like this policy or procedure, then, you know, all of those individuals will come back instantly and say, yeah, we appreciate you, you bringing that up. We respect your, your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Let's do it. And, you know, and then we move forward. But if you were given the authority, like if your pastor comes to you and says, Hey, I want you to, to create policies and procedures. I want you to be over this team. Then you have that authority through the pastor. So it may be good to talk to, you know, or even say to that pastor, Hey, is there someone on, on the leadership team of the church that I, that you would like me to talk to and kind of get their input and, and uh, feedback on before I just jump into this and start creating stuff. Um, in my old church, we had an individual that had 40 plus years of insurance experience as one of the church board members. And so every once in a while, I would go talk to him and say, hey, is there anything new? Is there something you're concerned about with this policy? Is this area or this, you know, do you see this with churches? Should we add something? Should we change something? A policy, honestly, is a living, breathing uh, document. And I, I typically encourage churches once a year uh, to review at the same time, maybe the end of the fiscal year, um, I used to like to do mine after Christmas, but before Easter um, in that window. So February, March, I would sit down with everybody and say, OK, last year, this is all these are all the incidents that happened. This is what our policy says. Should we adjust our policy? And then we would literally go page through page in the policy and scan everything and make sure that it actually tied into what. Uh, we found to be legitimate ways to handle what's going on. 
So it might not seem like a, a great or a fantastic uh, thing to do. I'm sure there's there's always other stuff that <laughs> that all of us would would prefer to be doing. But as you bring new people in, you'll be grateful that you did go back and review stuff and make sure that everything was succinct and in order, because oftentimes as time goes on, that's one of the big things that we can forget about and say, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any, um, I didn't, I didn't realize the policy said that we've changed that. We changed that a long time ago because now we're doing it this way. And so new people that are coming in are like, what kind of ministry am I getting into? Because, you know, you're telling me to do this one way, but when I go back and reference it, you know, the manual is saying to do something else and safety and security really is the one, one ministry that you have to have details and you have to have kind of that playbook to, to onboard people and offboard them because you want everything to be consistent and you want everyone to, to follow uh, those those roles like you know like everybody else is in the in the proper way yeah you talked a bit about the kind of the reanalysis if you will of existing policies once they're there i think uh, we'll i want to rewind for a second and kind of say let's look at it through the lens of a church that maybe hasn't established policies yet. Maybe they have a couple of things documented. Maybe they have nothing. Um, and really look at and saying, have you had a safety and security assessment for your church? Have you looked at what the needs for your church are, your locale, the, the uniqueness of your property, uh, the constraints that you might have on the basis of, again, jurisdiction, uh, challenges based on the space that you might be in. Um, some of us, uh, we're in a rented space. I'm, a, I'm part of a plant in a mobile church right now. And so we're, we don't own the building that we set up and tear down in every single week. So that has additional constraints that you have to factor in uh, when you're looking at that. So always good to have an assessment. It's always good to revisit that assessment on a regular basis, similar to your policies and procedures. And frankly, as, as good as you can be, it's always good to have a, another set of eyes, usually outside of your own existing team. Uh, to come in and look at it for you because we get close to it. We're there day in and day out and things start to, to glaze over. You don't notice things that you might've otherwise noticed. Whereas somebody who's coming in for the first time, those things might jump out of the, on, uh, out on them and they're able to kind of raise those as opportunities. So start with an assessment to really kind of identify needs, expectations, any sort of challenges or opportunities that your facility and location might pre might present. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think honestly too, a lot of times people will be like, "Well, and I, you know, I'm fine doing an assessment, and I can walk around the campus and and with a clipboard and jot down stuff, and that's fine." And you know, to an extent, I think at times that's okay to continue, you know, to do those because we all want to do walk arounds and make sure that everything is, is consistent um, on our church campus. But to, to uh, Mike's point, it is really nice to always have another set of eyes. And realistically, the individuals that are doing um, assessments are individuals typically that are regularly seeing consistent things at places across the board. And those are consistent things that people are missing. 
And, you know, I know for us, um, you know, I took a, I took a three day SEPTED class um, a couple of months ago to be able to go and be certified to go and do assessments. And, um, you know, oftentimes Mike and I will do assessments with the other guys. And the reason that, that we chose, or the reason that I chose to, to become certified is because I wanted to learn more. And I knew that as long as I had been doing church safety and security, that there's probably still things that I'm missing. And, um, I want to stay up on the, on the cutting edge of, Hey, this is what's considered and this is what's important. And, uh, for me, I, we partnered, uh, with the Ohio crime prevention association and, and John DePietro, he was on a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, John's a great guy and very, very, very knowledgeable on assessments and, uh, assessments tie into, um, oftentimes tie into free money and, um, you know, government grants. So if you're interested in um, that, if your church is a nonprofit and you're interested in trying to take advantage of some of, of the state or the federal grant programs, um, they all require you to have an assessment first. And so as that assessment, uh, you know, having a professional come in and do that, uh, just allows for for things to be categorized and also placed in order so that um, it's not like hit or miss. It's like okay, this is a uh, this is a concise um, organized list of things that we need to work on, things that we need to improve, things that we're doing well that we can go back to our team and you know and applaud them for. And then also, you know, typically when Mike and I do an assessment or um, maybe with one of the other guys uh, with CSG, you know, oftentimes we will also assess the team and how the team's responding and what we see um, in kind of like a, you know, a secret, I don't know, secret shopper type format where we'll say, you know what, maybe we need to work on this as a team, or maybe the team needs to kind of tweak their response to this type of situation. So there's a lot of different aspects of assessment, um, but it kind of gives you a place to start and it's a good foundation. And the reason for that is because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And to be perfectly honest, there are times when we miss things because we're so focused on all of the other aspects and variables that we we have to be. Absolutely. And if you want to start looking at what an effective policy should, should include, I think it's important that you should outline the things that are like your responses, uh, establishing kind of limits around what can and can't be done, um, creating and guiding your decision-making. So procedures often follow a documented policy that says you shall do it this way, or you shall not do it that way. Um, so establishing kind of accountability, regulating the activities of your volunteers and staff for that matter are important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is one thing that we don't often talk about, which we probably should talk, talk more about it is, you know, the scope of policies and procedures and, and who all they impact, because oftentimes people feel as though, uh, church staff might be at a different level um, than maybe some of the volunteers and maybe because they go to the church every day full time throughout the week 
that maybe some of those policies and procedures don't necessarily apply to them. Um, I've seen, you know, I've seen several churches like that where, you know, staff were just like, well, you know, it <laughs> doesn't, right. that's great for, that's great for your safety team on Sundays. Well, no, that's not, that's not the point. The point is that you want something, you want to draft, you know, policies that are good 24, seven, 365, that anybody in the church can pick up that book booklet and say, Hey, this is how we handle this. Cause I guarantee, um, and just speaking from experience, we had a situation happen at our church. Uh, the senior pastor was out of town. He was on a missions trip. Um, I handled the situation with two of the other pastors. Uh, the next day, the media showed up and I received a phone call uh, from one of the secretaries where they couldn't get a hold of a pastor. So I was like the next next person on that row as a safety leader, a safety director. And they called me and they said, hey, the media is here. How would you like us to handle it? Like, what should we do? What should we say? And it was honestly, it was at that point that I realized, you know what? We didn't address any media communications or interactions in our handbook. And that was, a, you know, that was an opportunity for us. But as, you know, I, I coached them, coached the secretary, thankfully, you know, very, very gracious friend of mine that you know, she, she listened to what I had to say and was like, Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your guidance and I'll do that. And everything turned out fine. Uh, but I had to go back and kind of look at it and say, okay, I made a mistake. I didn't put media interactions in the policy book because they, every person, every staff member on their desk has a copy of the policy book. So she should have been able to just open the book instead of making a phone call and saying, you know, if I wasn't available or something, you know, looking right. through and saying, oh, here's media. OK, this is how you know, this is how, you know, everybody's on the same page with, you know, handling it. So oftentimes, you know, when you're not there, that's the first first reference point. And you want to make sure that everyone consistently understands what the direction is from the senior pastor or the lead pastor or, or the leadership. And that kind of starts right up front, making sure that, that every staff member, that every volunteer receives a, co a written copy of that mm -hmm. book. Uh, you mentioned handbook and that's one method of, of certainly delivery. I think it's nice to have it in print copy versus just a digital copy. Um, yeah, certainly not always. I mean, you could do both. I, I think, and rather than, or, uh, but really is it, you should make sure that it's in place that they, mm -hmm. they got to go through it. They need to acknowledge it. Maybe even one of your policies is about receiving written acknowledgement of your handbook, that they've received it, that they've read it, and they're going to abide by it. And, and essentially before they serve. So that yeah. should be part of any sort of onboarding policies in procedures associated with that onboarding to make sure that they're starting off on the right foot. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I used to do was actually, I would go when, when we had the updates all done and it was ready to go, I would go and I would print off like 12 copies, like hard copies. And I would give them to each, each person. 
And then I would email it to them and download it to their desktop. And I would put it on their desktop and, you know, in big bold letters, like, Hey, here's the digital copy. You can click on that, but I'm also giving you, um, you know, a, a, a paper printed out copy of 24 pages with, you know, big Sharpie print on, you know, do not remove. This is, you know, this is, you know, so-and-so's copy. And they would always laugh at me, but what was, what was crazy about it is and you just alluded to this. It's like, you know, they, they would laugh about it, but when something happened, they, they would go to the handbook, like they'd know where to grab it, grab it. And it would save me. Sometimes it would save me time and frustration from them having to call me and me saying, look, you know, pull out your handbook. We know like we've already established laws and rules. And if you need a refresher, you know, review that. Right. Um, we had a few times where we had um, individuals call the church harassing, like harassing the secretary and threatening, like, calling and, and threatening them over the phone and stuff. And, you know, it, it prompted them to say, Hey, what does the handbook say about, you know, disturbing phone calls or threatening phone calls or, you know, people coming, you know, calling with bomb threats or package threats or, or something along those lines. So there's plenty of, of things that you can certainly put in there and be prepared for. And the truth is that, um, you know, like I said before, policies and procedures are a living, breathing entity and organism. So honestly, you know, that is something that we have to go back regularly. And there might be something, you know, you might go to another church and see how they do it and say, you know what, I really like those policies and how they're set up um, and ask, you know, ask them for a copy. Most in most cases, they'll give you one um, and then you can go back and, and make the changes on yours. If you think it's, you know, something that's better suited for you guys, or uh, maybe it's more helpful to, to uh, the operational procedures of your church. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with updating and moving forward, but I will say, don't get so locked up in a template, like what Mike said earlier, you know, that you're, you're so focused on this template is, is the way, and it's the only way that, um, that you don't, you know, take the time to actually adjust it for what your church mission is and your church needs are, uh, right. that can really cause some, cause some long-term damage, uh, yep. that you don't want. And keep in mind, policies are ultimately, uh, not only legal documents, uh, essentially on how you're, documenting and that's going to have ramifications that again you want to make sure are in line with your insurance policy are in line with anything that your church attorney uh speaks to certainly anything that's legal but they're they're beyond just legal documents they really are uh, mechanisms that help you communicate your mission your vision your values your goals everything to your volunteers and staff you're establishing boundaries. You're creating standards for your volunteers. And one of the best ways to make sure that, that you can retain volunteers, which we've talked about a number of times, of course, on this show and, and in our books, is they, wanna, they want it to be, they want clarity. They want to know yeah. what's expected of them. And so policies is that first step of knowing what's expected of them. 
Yeah, that's actually, that's a good call out for sure, because volunteers and, and we could do a whole, <laughs> a whole nother episode on um, trying to help, help and motivate volunteers for sure. But volunteers definitely want to know what's expected of them. And they want to know that they are capable of, um, capable of performing things the way they should. And the reason I say that is because when you pull out, keep in mind, when you pull out a 25 or, you know, 30 page book booklet on policies, expect and understand that not every person is going to be able to memorize those and understand those. So what I would do is I would give a copy of the policy handbook to someone and I would say, I need you to read through this. And if you have any specific questions, please let me know so I can sit down and go over it with you. And then after a week later, when they come back and they say, Hey, I've read that. I would say, do you have any questions? No, I'm good. Okay. So you're acknowledging that I'd like, you know, you to go over at the, at the last page of our handbook, there was a book, uh, there was a place to sign and rip off that says, I understand. I acknowledge that I received a copy of this. This is what, you know, I'm going to, uh, to the best of my ability, perform, perform these actions, et cetera, et cetera. And so at that point, then it, you shift gears and it no longer becomes a, here's the policy. It becomes a coaching place where as you're training that person, you're coaching them back to the content that was in that policy. So, you know, if Mike and I are on the same team and we're at the same church and we're bringing somebody on board, we may not be there the same Sunday, but that's where that consistency comes in and, and benefits because both of us will be going back to that written guideline to say, hey, this is how we do things. And the reason we do things this way is because we want to be consistent. And not only do we want to do these activities and do these policies as they support the mission of the church, but we also want to do them because legally, you know, that protects us and keeps us safe from making the wrong choices or, or decisions when you know, when we shouldn't. Exactly. And so I think some of the areas that you might craft policies around essentially anything around identification, think about what do you need to identify? What does staff potentially need to identify? Whether that's through the context of how they engage folks that may come into the office or whether that's how you may identify a uh, doesn't look right. So that whole uh, range of what is falls under identification prevention, uh, mitigation, competent and measured response. And that gets more into the policy side. And of course, communication is we just talked a bit about how you're communicating those policies and making sure that people are signing off. But again, there's, there's going to be a need to document how you will communicate about certain things in the future, because one of the number one ways your team can fail is due to bad communication. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, my, my guideline, uh, my policy book, I had it divided into three, three categories. And I think communication probably comes under the first one, but the first category that I had in, in my handbook, um, was emergency response. Like this is how we are going to respond. This is how we're going to handle general communication. This is how 
you know, when something pops up like fighting or bullying or fire or bag checks or missing child or child abuse, these are the points where, you know, you can easily go to, okay, I'm going to go to page seven. I'm going to see what the guidelines are and that's going to help direct me. So that's kind of, that's kind of the first one. The second one kind of goes to the equipment and the equipment piece of it, which we haven't really talked about is, you know, what, what equipment do we have? Who's responsible for it? What are some common safe guidelines for using that equipment in an effective way? You know, we, we want people to understand. And oftentimes like that's where I will put like a security camera policy or, you know, a tech policy about the equipment or something along those lines. But, you know, we want to make sure that people understand that, there's an appropriate use for things and that stewardship comes with the appropriate use because it's a church and, you know, God's, God's blessed the church with that equipment. So oftentimes I would put in there like, you know, equipment shouldn't be used outside of the church without asking permission first. Um, you know, sometimes you think that's kind of a given, but <laughs> you know, stuff disappears and then reappears. So, you know, people grab it in a hurry um, oftentimes. So, you know, that's, that's just something to consider. And then the third thing uh, was basically your team guidelines. So I had safety team guideline, ministry guidelines. So what's the mission of the team? What's the mission of the church? Um, what are the ministry requirements? What are the position descriptions, what are the, the position expectations and requirements? Um, what are the training requirements? What are the training um, necessities for those roles? And then, you know, in addition to that, on, on our handbook, we had uh, appendixes with fire escape routes. And then also we included um, the CCW or concealed carry weapon permission packet that was also included as an appendix where someone could just print that off and return it if they wanted to carry a firearm or, or better understand that. So I think typically, I mean, most things could be pretty much divided into one of those three categories. And at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter so much where it, where it is or how you have it structured as long as you have it there somewhere because right. that's the most important thing to be able to say, you know what, this is, you know, people, resources, and incidents. Those are our three focuses. And we need to make sure that we're covering everything that could happen and everything that probably won't happen, but, or everything that has happened. And, you know, oftentimes we'll say, oh, that's never going to happen here. I don't have to address that. I'll tell you, we never had a homeless person policy at our church until one summer we had something like six different incidents with homeless people. And I finally sat down and it was incidents where they were disrupting a service or they were breaking into the building or um, just different things where I finally had to sit down with several of the pastors and say, how do you want us to move forward with this? Because it seems like we're we're dealing with this a lot and more than normal and we don't have a written policy. And I I'd like some direction on what, you know, what you think the best way to handle this is. And so that kind of prompted us to add 
you know, that, that component to the handbook to say, okay, this is what's going to happen. If someone, you know, does A, B, C, or D, you know, they are going to be trespassed. They're going to be directed not to come back. But if this happens, then, you know, we will extend this grace to them and try and help them. And so it was a nice, even balance, but to me, it made me feel a lot more comfortable because I knew the expectation. I knew that we had a plan in place to be able to be successful moving forward. Uh, because if you don't have a plan in place, you're, I mean, the truth is you're not going to be successful. You can put people outside, inside in positions to be guards, to, to be, to stand a post, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, if you, if your team, if your ministry isn't based on a foundation of, policies and procedures, you have nothing to train people back to other than, Hey, this is how we've been doing it for years. And right. you really need that foundation of this is, you know, this is what the insurance company wants us to do. This is what the church wants us to do. And we're going to train everybody to, to be successful with that. Absolutely. I mean, and looking through uh, certainly the lens of the response and the actions and how you're going to train your team, I, I want to take it in a different direction is let's let, let's look at it through the lens of the entire volunteer program as a whole, not just necessarily for your safety and security team, but looking at it through uh, areas that you want to document policies around eligibility. Can anybody become a volunteer? What's the standard? Do they have to be there a certain number of months? I know like for certain teams that I've coached that they've had a policy where you had to serve in another ministry first for at least six months before even being considered for the safety and security team. And that was yeah. kind of that kind of, uh, I like to call it the audition period, or it's that probationary period almost where think about any job you started early on in your career. Uh, they gave you, they told you right up front, you had 90 days of evaluation and they could just freely cut you or they would let you continue. So think about eligibility for your volunteers. Think about how you're going to screen those volunteers. And that's not just the background check, but deciding, okay, what character traits, what values, what, what demeanor uh, makes sense to be on a safety and security team. Uh, in most cases, safety and security teams are not a uh, announced uh, volunteer opportunity. In other words, when they have volunteer job fairs, if you will, or a call from the pulpit to say, hey, we need volunteers, it tends not to include safety and security as one of those, hey, come sign up at my table and hey, where can I get a gun? Uh, which we've seen <laughs> in the past. But make sure you have a screening process. Uh, we talk a bit about orientation. What does that look like? What? How are you going to orient your, your volunteers across any role? What level of orientation to safety and security functions do the non-safety and security volunteers get? Make sure you're dotting that I and crossing that T. What level of onboarding do you need to cover? Um, we covered training a little bit. What's their code of conduct as a volunteer themselves? What are the expectations Absolutely. of how they carry themselves as a volunteer in representation of your church? And then what is what is your policy as to how you will enforce that code of conduct and what they can expect that should they break a code of conduct in any way from a mild uh, scenario all the way up to something egregious, it should be well-documented so that it's, it's not something that should be caught as a surprise. If they break the policy, there's a consequence. The consequence is X, Y, or Z. 
Absolutely. And that certainly, when you get to that level, you can certainly pull in or you should be pulling in your oversight pastor and talking to them about discipline and moving forward, not understanding that it's a, a ministry and it's someone volunteering, but at the same time, um, and I'll give you a perfect example, code of conduct. We had a, uh, we had guidelines under our team members that, uh, our team, basically team member requirements that uh, open-toed shoes were not acceptable. That seems simple. That seems kind of silly. Okay. But the truth is oftentimes when women come to church, they wear sandals or open-toed shoes. And there are, you know, certainly risks that need to be mitigated with someone wearing open-toed sandals or flip-flops. I know guys that have come to church wearing sandals or flip-flops. So to me, it's like, okay, that's fine if you want to do that, but you can't run across the church wearing flip-flops if someone just dropped and you're taking an AED to somebody. So let's be practical about this. Um, and, you know, two of the two of the couples, actually one of the couples that served together, husband and wife, um, they they regularly did that. And so I had to pull them aside and say, look, I understand I'm not trying to be a jerk. I understand. I appreciate the fact that you're relaxed, you're comfortable. You want to dress down when you come to church and wear shorts or, or flip-flops or whatever. That's fine. But when you're serving in safety and security, I can't have you do that for your safety because I'm afraid that something is going to happen to you personally. And, you know, they, they said, okay, that's fine. And they stopped, they switched. So a simple conversation. I mean, the next step would have been, look, I'm going to have to pull you off the schedule. I can't have you volunteer anymore if you're, if you're going to keep doing that. Um, one of the things, and we're, we're just about out of time. So we certainly, I want to wrap up just a tiny bit, but one of the things that I kind of got sucked into as an opportunity for, for myself is uh, being long winded when I created the policy um, it's very, very easy to try and cover every single point in a policy and a procedure. And the truth is that we need to keep it simple. There have been times 15 years after I created the policy um, where I went back and I sat down and I was like, oh my goodness, did I really put that in there as, you know, and it was almost laughable. I'm like, okay, we're working on the, the ESV version of the policy. And when I wrote it, it was KJV 1611, <laughs> right? So yeah. I'm like, okay, I need, to, I need to back off just a tiny bit. And I need to make this easier and simpler because nobody is going to be paying attention to this. And oftentimes people read through stuff and forget about it quickly. So if no one is going to be paying attention to it, then it's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that it's kept as simple as possible, as yep. concise as possible. And there's not a lot of um, jargon. There's not, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of jargon. There's not room for confusion. It's like, okay, A equals this, 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 and this, and you're good to go. And, and for our church, um, one of the big things with, with ministry, and I'll, I'll just give this example real quick, ministry requirements. We, we had at one point in time, we had it listed in there that you had to be a member of the church. Okay. That's a given now, like the church as a whole changed their policy to say, look, if you want to be, if you want to serve in any ministry, you have to be a member of the church. And these are the steps. So as they rebuilt that 
process and policy, I went back to, to our policy and, uh, and procedures and said, you know what, that just doesn't need to be in there. Like, because if they've already gotten to this point of wanting to serve and they're a member of the church, then they they're already a member of the church. I don't need to reiterate that because that's covered by the church's policy in general. Now, a lot of churches don't do that. A lot of, in fact, I talked to one last week that um, they, they do not require membership for people to serve. And, um, you know, I was kind of coaching them on that because I, I literally, I was on a, a zoom call with pastors, several pastors of the church. And they were like, well, why, why do you think that's a good idea? And so I had to outline for them why, you know, being a member is a great idea, especially with, with church safety and security. And they listened and they were like, you know, we really appreciate you bringing it up. We've never thought about it that way before. Don't know if it's something they'll change, but it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, a suggestion was made. So it is what it is. But, you know, realistically, you don't need to put things in there that the church covers as a whole um, as far as conduct, membership. I mean, if there's a conduct standard for ministry and volunteering and serving, then pull that in and say, you know, it's, it could be a simple sentence in the policy book and say, you know what, refer back to this policy and, you know, for more information and, and you're good to go. You don't have to, you know, don't, don't make it harder on yourself and recreate the wheel um, for safety and security. And that, in that way, safety and security should be treated really like any other ministry. But keep in mind that how people serve in code of conduct it would be exceptionally different from like the children's ministry versus safety and security because you're doing different things and you're you're subjected to different things. Different things are required to be successful. So, Absolutely. I think one last point I'll throw in um, uh, on, on this side is I've seen a lot of questions around uh, recording and cameras and uh, video yeah. and so forth. So uh, when you're talking about policies, make sure one of them is a data retention policy uh, on how you're going to utilize, who has access to it, how it's going to be used, um, when it's going to be destroyed, etc., uh, and make sure that that you have security around that itself. You don't want your camera data to be out there, and you shouldn't be having uh, uh, general video clips of monitors being then shared across your team. Now, yes, granted, there's times where you take a picture of a uh, a person that you want to kind of be on the lookout for, for example, because you had that on your security system. Make sure that that's, that's clearly documented in your policy that says occasionally this is, we may execute that and that's okay, but it should be done by one of the leaders. It shouldn't be done by the person who happens to be on the monitor that Sunday. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that, um, that I added before I stepped down, I added to our policy book was these are the people that have access to the, the footage and these are the people that are responsible for going back and accessing it if something happens where we need to. Like, for example, I'll tell you, like my pastors wouldn't know how to operate the DVRs or the camera system. So they are allowed to have access to it to speak to it as necessary. But I would be the only other individual as a safety director that 
would be allowed access to it as well. And that access was very much to the point of saying, you know what, my access is so that I can help them understand and see what's going on when it needs, you know, when it needs to be done. And, um, you know, and that's, and that's fine. Most pastors want to be involved and want to have access to all of that. So they can say, you know, this is what's going on, but you know, that's something that we're, we are seeing a lot of that, that churches just don't have a, a good policy written towards addressing, taking photos, taking, you know, security, having security footage, um, you know, in a, in a good standard line to say, if somebody asks you is, you know what, it's inaccessible to anyone, but the church leaders, and, you know, saying that oftentimes kind of diffuses and deescalates if somebody's upset about it, yeah. that's, you know, giving that blanket statement and then they can go talk to the church leaders about it if they Especially want. Especially versus names, pastors. not naming yeah, individuals, absolutely. because then it just becomes a, a circle chase where they're chasing down individuals to try to get their their take and divide people against each other. So it's just, yeah. Hey, that's the policy. It is what it is. That's, that's the end period. And, you know, I'll say real quick and then we'll, we'll close um, a, a quick story that happened to me a couple of years ago. I had a dad that was actually looking to try and um, divorce his, his wife. And he was looking for proof that his wife was negligent with their kids at the church on the church property. And so he was trying to use that for court justification so that he could have custody of, of his daughter. And so what happened was he reached out to me because he knew that I was over security and safety and said, Hey, you have access to this. I want blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I have access to it, but I'm not allowed to give it to whoever and I mean, he went off the, and this was a guy I knew that I would call a friend generally. I mean, he went off the rails at me saying, well, you, you better give this to me now, or I'm going to sue you and, and you're liable and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not liable. And, you know, I'm following this policy and this policy is, you know, you can submit a request to the oversight pastor or lead pastor and they make the decision. Right. You know, and so, but having that, you know, it was kind of like, it took the wind out of his sails because I'm like, I'm not scared of you. Like you're calling me and threatening me. And I'm just like, that's not going to happen. And this is why, because you're being obnoxious. And, you know, if you're legitimately concerned about how your wife treated your kids on our property, then you need to be going through the proper channels and reaching out to law enforcement or the lead pastor and let them handle it with an investigation accordingly at that point. So that stuff happens as weird as it sounds, you know, it surprised me, but I'll tell you it, it does happen and people are aware of that and want to use that to better themselves. And oftentimes, you know, you can find yourself in a weird predicament where, you know, you do need to involve other church leaders to, to, be supportive and help you with what's going on. So don't definitely don't get yourself in a position where you're trying to fight that stuff alone because um, it can come at you pretty quick and when you're not expecting it. So anyhow, so that's about it for, uh, for tonight. We certainly could go a lot longer, but we're out of time. So we appreciate you all hanging out with us. 
as as always, uh, if we can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com, or you can reach out to us through our uh, app, the Church Security app, which is downloadable on Apple or uh, Google platforms and has a, a ton of resources, great resources on it for, for you and your team. Um, if you're listening to this on a podcast or you're watching this on YouTube at a later time, uh, please feel free to like, subscribe, and share. That always helps us with the algorithms. And uh, if you're not a YouTube subscriber, go ahead on there, click the, click the button, subscribe, and uh, you'll be notified anytime we upload new content, which is usually about once a week or sometimes sometimes sooner than that depending on what's going on but otherwise uh next next week next broadcast we're going to have a special guest on uh if everything works out well it's going to be uh jack peters he's been on before jack is a demolition expert for the discovery channel and uh, a great christian guy good friend um and he uh, actually has a show on the Discovery Channel that he helps out with, uh, but he'll be uh, joining us and we'll be talking about suspicious packages and handling different things of, of that nature for churches. So until next time, take care, have a great week, God bless, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast, brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.